The Blunt Post with Vic. Good morning and welcome to The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a show that covers national breaking and headline news, offers analysis and commentary, and I interview a high-profile public figure. In each show, I also highlight an exceptional company, organization, charity, or even an individual that does great work in the community. After the headlines, I interview California Congresswoman Grace Napolitano. So stay tuned for that. Here are the latest COVID-19 figures, starting with numbers for worldwide. There have been 4.66 million cases confirmed. 1.71 million people have recovered. And there have been 320,000 deaths. As far as the U.S., there have been 1.5 million confirmed cases, 274,000 people have recovered, and 89,498 people have died. In the state of California, there have been 76,793 confirmed cases, 3,204 people have died. As always, for the latest numbers and figures and information, you can go to the websites of CDC, World Health Organization, as well as Johns Hopkins University. Let's cover some headlines. Uh, Over the weekend, Texas reports largest single-day number of positive cases of COVID-19 since beginning of the pandemic. There are now 45,198 confirmed cases according to the Texas Department of State Health Services. This is an increase of 1,347 cases from Thursday to Friday. The new numbers have not been recorded for Saturday and Sunday. Brazil overtakes Spain. The South American country is now the fourth worst hit in the world with more than 233,500 cases of COVID-19. Locally in Southern California, 11 firefighters were injured, three critically, when an explosion erupted during a fire Saturday night in downtown LA. Uh, The fire was at a cannabis oil factory. COVID-19 will cost states hundreds of billions of dollars in revenue in the upcoming fiscal year, according to a survey of 33 states and Washington, D.C., California earlier this month projected a dip of more than $41 billion in revenue through fiscal year 2021, with a budget deficit of about $54.3 billion, which is nearly three times the size of its rainy day fund. California Governor Newsom, a Democrat, told CNN State of the Union on Sunday that none of the budget issues his state is facing is a result of any pre-existing financial conditions. In lieu of pride festivals around the globe, most of them in the summer between June and August, leading pride organizers uh, across Europe and throughout the world have come together to organize 
what is being uh, called the global pride. There is already a world pride and a euro pride, but this is global pride, which is a virtual pride that is slated for Saturday, June 27th. And there will be content and participation from countries throughout the world. Uh, If you want more information on that, you can visit top100lgbtq.com. That's T-O-P. 100lgbtq.com. Let's get blunt. Let's get blunt. For today's Let's Get Blunt, I want to talk about hitting rock bottom and being sick and tired of being sick and tired and how those two slogans, their 12 step slogans, apply to the Trump administration. When someone is new to a 12 step program to recovery, Those who have a lot of time will often say that the only time, the only way someone seeks help and makes change in their life is when they have hit rock bottom and that they are sick and tired of being sick and tired. So I've been thinking about this unbelievable fact that the Trump administration, having been the most disastrous in American history and Donald Trump's illegal, corrupt, immoral three and a half years that he's been in office. How is it that he is still, he keeps going? And everything that we've done, despite him being impeached by the House, hasn't really stopped him and his administration. And just like in 12-step, when we are encouraged to look within and to see our part, I've been thinking about our part, the other 50%, those of us that see him for who he is, all of you, and what is it that perhaps we haven't done yet or haven't done enough, and why? And the why could be that we are not the rock bottom. We have not hit our rock bottom, despite most of us being extremely frustrated with this sort of like dismantling of democracy that's happened in front of our eyes for the last three and a half years, this this disaster, this catastrophe that has been in Washington, D.C. for the last three and a half years. So it's just uh, something to reflect on for me and to sort of say it out loud and share it with you. So there it is. I just wanted to get blunt about uh, being in this unbelievable situation and what's, what more is there to do for all of us. Congresswoman Grace Napolitano represents California's 32nd district. Her Los Angeles County-based district covers several cities and communities in the San Gabriel Valley. Congresswoman Napolitano is the highest-ranking California member and Hispanic member of the U.S. House Committee on Transportation and Infrastructure, where she currently serves as chairwoman on the Subcommittee on Water Resources and Environment, which oversees EPA's Clean Water Act and U.S. Army Corps of Engineers water programs. As founder and co-chair of the Congressional Mental Health Caucus, Congresswoman Napolitano is perhaps best known for her groundbreaking work on mental health. Her 2001 pilot program providing mental health and suicide prevention services on-site serves as a model for the Mental Services for Students Act. She has served the people of Los Angeles County for over 30 years and is currently in her 11th term in Congress. 
The Blunt Post with Vic. Hi, Congresswoman. How are you? Very nice. Uh, thank you very much. I'm well. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm very grateful that you took the time to be my guest on The Blunt Post with Vic. I appreciate it. Well, on the contrary, I'm, I'm happy to be on your program the first time, and I hope it won't be the last. Well, I'm a big fan. Thank you for that. I'm, Thank you, sir. I know that you've been busy already, and I'm sure you've got lots of, uh, lots of perspective and, and new information that no matter how much we read and listen to, you have a, a much better perspective. So I want to start by just asking you, in terms of COVID-19, since things happen so quickly, what's your perspective as of today on where we are? We're not over it. And people are getting a little lax and uh, uh, not covering themselves and not protecting others. And I think we should. It's, uh, it's a must because it is so contagious that uh, it may, if they're warning that in uh, winter there might come a recurrence uh, of, of this pandemic. Absolutely. There was um, news from Texas that they had the largest spike since the beginning of coronavirus in one single day, and that was on Friday. Well, people are, are uh, anxious to open businesses and to go shopping to Little Beach, and that is, is sad because it's not going to uh, not allow us to combat the, the virus. Absolutely. In terms of your district uh, in Southern California, Congresswoman, are there any unique challenges uh, and issues that's facing your district that you are addressing? Well, uh, on the under COVID. Uh, correct. Well, there are a lot of people that are uh, uh, not in school, that are uh, students that are not able to go home, and they're homeless. Uh, they uh, don't have any income. That apparently they haven't been able to get checked. Most some of them. Uh, the senior. Uh, not, not necessarily in my area, but uh, in Pasadena, there's been a spike in, in uh, deaths in nursing homes. Uh, the, some of the cities don't want their uh, uh, homeless in their hotels because they're afraid of contamination. Right. Uh, they're, two of them are fighting it. Then uh, there are uh, people who are uh, still not following guidelines to protect themselves, but I hope that they continue. It's, it's, you've got to understand this is a way of life for a while. Right. Absolutely. Uh, my businesses are, are the worst. They, they are getting hit. And, they, and I know the recovery, uh, the banks weren't loaning to small business. They're taking the big loans and a lot of small business. But the second package might help them. Uh, a lot of them are, are in dire stress. Yeah, actually, that was something I was going to ask you about, the Paycheck Protection Program. Uh, I know that you have been and are a big advocate for it, but there have been so many glitches and so many uh, challenges for people applying for it and a lot of confusion. And uh, I can only imagine its scale and the challenge of uh, trying to sort it all through uh, from your perspective. Uh, Do you have any new information to give to those who are perhaps uh, facing challenges applying for it or perhaps getting it? Well, the ones that are uh, getting it faster are the ones that have payroll deduction or uh, 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 bank accounts that have a, a direct deposit because it's easier for them. The paper check was supposed to be out uh, this week, last week. I'm not sure how many of us, but understand that this was 
such a blow. Nobody knew what to do, what to expect. Right. So it, it takes them a while to catch up to try to figure out what is the best way to serve the constituency. And I'm hoping that uh, my staff has some numbers that uh, they've acquired to be able to get direct through on business loans and on, on uh, payroll protection. So they have been helping. My staff is wonderful. They have been very, very good about response to the constituency. Yes, there is a lot of concern, uh, especially among people who uh, lost their jobs and have no other income. Uh, that, that's a terrible part. That's why we've got to help. Wow. It, it sounds like uh, your staff is wonderful, and I'm sure your constituents are very grateful for that. You're listening to The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and I'm speaking with Congresswoman Grace Napolitano. Congresswoman, you've also been a big advocate for another program, which is the Health Care Enhancement Act, which is a relief legislation to uh, further aid small businesses and hospitals. Yes, uh, that is a must. Because the hospitals have been, uh, well, some of them have room in their uh, ICUs. Uh, they expected a, a surge, which hasn't really happened, but uh, they, they don't have enough trained personnel, and the uh, nurses and doctors that are in the hospitals are worried about taking the illness home, taking that uh, contamination home. The uh, current state of affairs is, is not too bad in my area. There's some cities that have had COVID, not necessarily, they're positive, but they're not necessarily going through it. I, I know that a lot of areas are worse than ours, so we're lucky that way. Well said. Uh, Congresswoman, just to slightly talk about another topic, you, along with 42 of your colleagues, called on the president to stop building the border wall, especially during oh, this yes. emergency. If you want to talk about that, I mean, to some of us, it's redundant that that would be uh, absurd to do. Uh, but uh, tell us about that. That's what, that's what we, uh, we told we told a letter in the letter to the president. It, it is asinine to continue using funds that the Army Corps would use in other areas that are in need. Uh, the Army Corps comes under the jurisdiction of my subcommittee, of which I am chair, and so does CPA. So what we uh, heard from was uh, Congressman Grijalva from Arizona that they were building the wall and they were using contractor contracted people. They were not uh, uh, following guidelines. So I called general in charge in that area to make sure that they follow protocol, but there's nothing we can do to stop them because they're under the presidential mandate and that's under military construction, not necessarily my realm of uh, jurisdiction. But they were able to get them to uh, to abide by those uh, restrictions. I think he has no business doing that. He's just trying to fulfill a campaign promise, and he shouldn't at this time even consider that. It's not right. It's not proper, and he should not do it. Absolutely. It just uh, it's amazing that that wall continues to be built at a time like this when we are facing yeah. uh, such a catastrophic situation with people's health and livelihood and business and the economy. Definitely. Definitely. It's just a misguided effort to uh, do something that he promised he would do. Yeah, but you've been busy doing positive things, uh, such as uh, as a member of the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, 
you secured twenty six billion for California in uh, in the About last two years ago. Yes. Yes, for the Fast Act. Right. Well, I was lucky enough to be named the conferee from California right. because I'm one of the ranking members in transportation. Right. So that allowed my staff to uh, work with them. And what we did, we called all transportation agencies in California, uh, uh, the major ones, the Caltrans, Metro, and the local ones, to give us their priorities so we could infuse them into the transportation bill. And we were lucky to get most of what we we supported because we don't have earmarks anymore. Right. So it, it worked out pretty well. That money went into uh, roads, bridges, highways, construction, and put a lot of people to work. Right. And also, you know, the House passing the $3 trillion, uh, stimulus package, which we don't know what the faith of it uh, would be. What are your thoughts on that? Well, we are hoping that it uh, goes through the Senate, that they are wise enough to see that the people are waiting for it, because it not only honors our heroes, the essential workers, the front line, it also deals with testing, tracing, and treatment, and it makes more direct payments for the coronavirus. Uh, it goes to 6000 per household, and uh, it protects the payrolls and enhances the employee retention tax credit. So it, it works for businesses, too. And the worker safety will require OSHA to issue strong enforceable standards within seven days to require all workplaces to develop and implement infection control plans. So, I mean, that, that's got to be critical for any any business who is going back, back up. It supports small businesses and nonprofits, provides health care coverage, and extends the unemployment and benefits, which a lot of people are sadly in need of. And it provides for housing assist, assistance. Food security, safeguards our democracy. It puts money into ensuring safe elections, and that's that's partly what we're working on uh, now. I'm hoping the Senate will. Uh, although I heard people say they had uh, stated that it was dead on arrival, I hope not. I hope they have sense enough to see that America needs this. Yeah, it's you know it's the basics. It's really bare minimum help for. Um, the frontline people and and those that need it and yet uh, it, it's so daunting to get this through a uh, GOP controlled Senate so well that's the problem is uh, they don't think about the working class they only worry about the big business sure they're donors and such you're listening to the blunt post with Vic I am your host Vic Jaramie and I'm speaking with Congresswoman Grace Napolitano Congresswoman, I want to go ahead. Mental health is really going to be something that's going to be coming up at critical. Yes. But it also has substance abuse and mental health services. Three billion to increase mental health support. Students, eighty uh, percent of them are uh, saying they have mental needs, that they have uh, crisis, uh, that they have worries. Um, One billion for community health services, block grants for cities. Um, One hundred million for service to home individuals homeless individuals, but then we have 100 million to project aware of it, to identify students that connected with mental health services. People don't know that the federal have a, a, a line for them to call in case they have a, a stress and want to talk to somebody. There's 10 million for National Child Traumatic Stress Network. This list goes on. There uh, is a, a amount of money also for research on COVID-19, on the impact of COVID-19. Just, just a lot of things for mental health. 
we have to know that once the students, children go back to school, they're going to have residual problems from being home, from their parents not working, from necessity. And we want to be sure that we're ready for that too. Absolutely. In fact, that was the topic I was going to talk about because, as you know, May is National Mental Health Awareness Month, and you are the founder and co-chair of the Congressional Mental Health Caucus. In fact... Yes, I am. Yeah. Every year, it's May, we do a briefing for staff and uh, members of Congress. We wear a lime green. I use a scarf to put on, and we take a picture and a whole bit. But we want to... Uh, uh, raise the awareness of all the uh, members of Congress and the staff on mental health. Uh, when we first started, we had very light attendance. Now we have much more attendance. People begin to get the, chair, the uh, fact that mental health is critical. And I have a great uh, uh, colleague, a Republican a co-chair, John Ketko, New York. And we established the Mental Health Caucus. We have 109 members. They're bipartisan. But it is uh, something that we felt need for, and now a lot of the agencies are coming to us to ask to be heard in Congress in briefings so they can get out information that they don't, others don't have access to. I'm very happy. It's just, I let everybody take on uh, a role. I don't let, uh, move on it. I don't dictate on it. I don't uh, tell everybody what to do. We have a mental health team for veterans, for children, for minorities. So that everybody has a chance to uh, be able to uh, get information out to us. That's fantastic. Especially also the stigma of mental health. The more we talk about it, the more the stigma goes away, hopefully. You're so very right. Yeah. Um, Congresswoman, what, what, would you like, what would you like to say to... Uh, our listeners and your constituents and just to the American people that I may have not asked you about? Well, one of the topics that, that what I would like to cover is the, the Water Replenishment Act. It will be uh, something that we're doing, working on right now with the Army Corps of Engineers. It's uh, projects that help the community with water. And we are being asked to wash our hands, and we are using a lot of water. And Recycling is one of the best things to be able to get more water into the aquifer and, and uh, meld it with portable water. So that is, I'm hoping that that will go through, that we're working on that. For your listeners, I would like to ask them, please, please continue to stay home if you have, if you can. Uh, if you're going out, wear the face mask and keep the six feet apart. That's what uh, one of the guidelines. But do wash your hands often. Don't come in contact, even in your home. Avoid close contact with other folks that come in. They, they're not sure whether they're carrying it. They may be carriers. Cover your mouth and nose with a cloth and or mask when around others. You cover your coughs and sneezes and be clean and disinfect as often as you can. It's important so, so we can beat this thing, and we can beat it, but we all got to do it together. Yes, we have to be continue to be diligent and take the advice of the experts, such as yourself, CDC, World Health Organization, absolutely. Yes, there are uh, sites that can uh, be able to give more information. I can get those sites to you. I published them online, too, so I will make sure that those are included as well. Wonderful, wonderful. I also have a list of mental health legislation for the uh, this Congress. There are many of them. 
Republicans and Democrats proposing mental health legislation. Yeah, it's good to see that there's some bipartisanship happening on mental health. Of course, it affects all of us. Um, it seems redundant, but uh, it's good that you're sharing that. And by the way, for our listeners, uh, Congresswoman Napolitano's uh, website is napolitano.house.gov, and there's wealth of resources and information there, including on mental health and all of the issues uh, that Congresswoman is working on. Thank you very much. Uh, and I have the greatest staff. They are right on point all the time. They call me every day. Yeah. I am home. I have uh, self-imposed the restrictions because I'm 83. I've had a stroke, so I am uh, one of the persons at risk. Wow. Well, we're so grateful of all that you're doing despite all of this and for being on my show today, Congresswoman. Well, thank you for the invitation. I very much appreciate it. And I wish you well, stay well, and take care of yourself. You as well. Thank, thank you, you, Congresswoman. Appreciate it. And thank you, listeners, for listening to you. All right. Bye-bye. That was Congresswoman Grace Napolitano, a fierce advocate for health care and especially mental health for Americans. Thank you, Congresswoman. The Blunt Post with Vic. Today I have a second interview for you with Seppi Shine. Seppi is a true leader here in Southern California, a true change maker, and uh, she's running for West Hollywood City Council. Uh, Seppi is an Iranian-American business and trademark attorney and an LGBTQ civil rights advocate. She serves as an appointed business license commissioner for the city of West Hollywood and an appointed member of the LA County Assessor's Advisory Council. She's a past co-president of the LGBT Bar Association of Los Angeles. She currently serves on the steering committee of the Human Rights Campaign, LA, as well as co-chair of the Political Action and Community Engagement, and is a co-organizer of WeHo Neighbors Helping Neighbors. Seppi ran for West Hollywood City Council in 2019 and came within 141 votes of beating a two-term incumbent and is currently running again to win a seat on the West Hollywood City Council, which, as we know, is the same day as the general national election, November 3rd. So let's take a listen. Hi, Seppi. Welcome to the Blunt Post with Vic. How are you? Hi, Vic. I'm good. How are you? I am well. Excited to talk to you and find out about what's happening locally in SoCal and L.A. and West Hollywood, since you are one of the movers and shakers in this town. Uh, thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. and I'm happy to share uh, knowledge of what's going on. Well, let me ask you this. I, I asked this to see different people's perspectives, especially those that have a little bit more of an insider uh, info. In terms of COVID-19, where do you think we are? What's your perspective on what's happening today? Well, um, I think that we have a long way to go. <laughs> and um, I think there's a lot of people that have been following the social distancing orders of L.A. County and really keeping up with what's important to do. But there's also a lot of people that are tired, 
being at home and and really concerned about their financial status um, because quite frankly the federal government was very slow to roll out the stimulus which in my opinion is just not enough um, and the unemployment department is seems to be getting on the right track but they were so overwhelmed in California that there's many 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 thousands of people that still don't have access to unemployment benefits um, but there's also people that are not social distancing and until we as a collective start to socially distance properly this because we have no federal leadership this disease and this pandemic is going to continue getting the better the best of us unfortunately yeah um good points when i spoke with congressman schiff he mentioned that uh West Hollywood was unique in Southern California because it's such a dense city within 1.9 miles and that it has its own set of unique challenges with COVID. Yes. Uh, well, our numbers were high at the beginning. Um, I think that people started listening more to the social distancing orders and, and the increase has been slow. You know, uh, different officials had said that the reason for the high numbers was the access to health care. Uh, I think the reality is until we know more about those those people who tested positive, we just won't know. And the numbers, Vic, are truly, um, the numbers, every single number that we see is not really accurate because people that are dying in the hospitals and have tested positive for COVID, they're being counted. People dying at home who maybe never got to get tested at the beginning or even now they, they get sick and they just isolate or maybe they don't have access to great health care um, or, or the disease just gets them too quickly, they're not being counted. So these numbers are, are kind of... You know, but they, they have, however, as someone dies, no matter what they die of, the one of the tests that they do is to see if they had COVID antibodies in their body as well. Right. And, you know, the COVID antibodies are still, that antibody test is, A, not, it's still new too, right? So, um, it's not as reliable. Even some of this, I think, this week we found out that the Abbott uh, rapid test was not a great, great test, so they were saying that it was giving uh, inaccurate results to thousands of people. Um, and look, testing is great to get a better picture of the numbers, right? Because then we know how many people are actually dying from this, how many people are getting really sick. It, it gives us a better overall picture. But I want to make sure that people don't think that testing means they can just go and run out and, and do whatever they want if they're negative because we're still in this. Sure. And until there is a safe vaccine, and I say safe because the initial vaccines, we're kind of guinea pigs right now. I mean, Dr. Fauci said in the hearings that, yes, we, there could be vaccines, but I want, you know, be a, I want everyone to be aware of the risks. And the risks are that these vaccines that they're rushing to create could have um, detrimental side effects because usually vaccines take years to make and they do clinical trials.
So it's, it's it's a very complex situation that the whole world is in, West Hollywood is in, that um, we haven't faced this before. You know, we faced the um, HIV-AIDS epidemic, obviously, in our community. Um, I'm pretty sure that's the closest thing in our generations that, that we can think about the similarity because we didn't, we never got SARS and MERS. Uh, those diseases, those, you know, coronaviruses here in yeah. America, they never reached here really. And Ebola um, also was contained and we didn't have to deal with that. Yeah, those are good points. Going back to uh, West Hollywood, you have been following and been sort of involved with the West Hollywood's rent moratorium and other resources that residents have for COVID. Where does the the rent stand in West Hollywood? Are we still at just a two months waiver? Sure. So basically, the um, in March on March sixteenth, the city council. Um, did an emergency order that was initially for two months. It was an eviction moratorium. So it gives people who are affected by COVID um, the chance to write to your landlord letting them know you've been affected financially. And also it had a part in there if you were, you know, you were sick uh, with it or if you had to put your child in daycare um, and you had higher costs, et cetera. And you would be able to postpone your rent. Now, since then, there's been a couple of changes to that. The first change um, for April and May was instead of having to pay back your rent in six months, you have to pay it back in 12 months. And by the way, I'm talking right now residential renters. There's a whole other commercial renters moratorium, but let's focus on the residential renters. Right. Think those are the ones that are really we have 80 percent renters in west hollywood so that's about 30,000 people that have been affected right so they changed it from six months then to you have to pay back your rent in 12 months and first you had to provide documentation and they took that away and said okay you can just do something in writing you don't have to document that you've lost a job or provide any proof you just say i've been affected by COVID 19 i've had financial losses I'm not able to pay my rent, and you have to do. You basically have to let your landlord know within 30 days of the rent being due. So April is done. We're way past the time to to send anything in writing to your landlord. Unfortunately, May now people still have time up until the end of May. Uh, you know, within 30 days of the rent being due, which is due on May 1st. So within 30 days. If you have been affected by coronavirus financially or otherwise you write to your landlord and you say, I'm not able to pay my May rent, and, uh, on, you know, and there's actually, if you go to weho.org, there's a template that they have, a nice letter. It's really easy to just download that, fill it in, and send that to your landlord. What that means is that you can wait, you can postpone paying your rent, you won't have to worry about being evicted. The landlord literally cannot harass you. They can't send you, you know, they can send you a three-day notice, but then they'd be defying the ordinance that was passed, and they could be subject to fines. Now, in the last city council meeting, what West Hollywood did, and I supported this, was they extended the months so that now, up until the end of July, 
people can also postpone paying their rent if they've been affected. So if May, you know, April, May, June, July, these are the months so far that this emergency ordinance has covered. And then once it's at the end of July, once it's lifted, then the 12 months starts um, and people have that long to pay back. The problem that I, you know, I've brought up at a couple of council meetings is that there's a lot of people that are confused because they see the LA uh, eviction moratorium. They don't know what's happening with West Hollywood. They might not be, you know, West Hollywood has done a webinar online. They've sent out, they've done sponsor ads on social media. Uh, they haven't sent a mailer and I've been pushing for that. And to this day, there's still no mailer to the renters in West Hollywood from city hall, letting them know what their rights are. And it's worrisome because what ends up happening is people that are in the know, that are you know involved in local government, and or or know where to go, they'll know what's happening. But you know others won't. They also have um, provided a one-time financial resources for renters that they can. The, the you can go to weho.org again, by the way, to get the phone number of the couple of organizations to call that will give a thousand dollars one time to residents. That's all good stuff. You're listening to The Blunt Post with Vic. This is your host, Vic Jorami, and I'm speaking with attorney Seppi Shine, who is running for the West Hollywood City Council. What One thing that you said about uh, renters not knowing their rights made me think that sometimes uh, bureaucracy doesn't want the masses to know their rights. So it is up to us to do our own research and stand up and, and uh, make a case for ourselves. So let me ask you, since you are running for the West Hollywood City Council, you know, during the general election November 3rd, how has COVID and all of this affected campaigning? Sure, that's a really good question. Well, when COVID first, you know, not when it first happened, because I was back in the last year, but when it first hit us and we had the safer at home orders come through, I just kind of stopped, not stopped, but paused what I was doing, which was just focusing, focusing on fundraising only. And um, I did whatever I could to connect with my supporters, connect with the neighbors and the residents to help as much as I can. And one of the things that I got involved with, uh, a neighbor of mine called and she said, you know, I want to start a group and I would love for your help uh, if we could start a group that can uh, have, you know, there was a list of things she wanted to do. So we kind of discussed the different possibilities of what we can do in a fast amount of time and we came up with um she and i and eight other pe- uh, people came, uh, residents in west hollywood came up with um this group called we Home neighbors helping neighbors and literally within i think it was three days we had the whole branding the training the, our rules or everything we're doing um we have a facebook page online and uh west hollywood residents and we adjacent neighbors can log on and we constantly put out resources so whatever the city's doing we've been trying to amplify right all the resources yeah uh, so that so that residents can have more knowledge and we also have volunteers that uh, call clients that sign up we have a, a lot of volunteers actually that call some of these clients that felt isolated lonely seniors people with disabilities uh, people in immunosuppressed households that we thought, okay, we don't want people to be lonely and really get depressed being isolated. We're not used to this. So what can we do to help? 
So our volunteers do uh, daily or weekly check-ins with people. And we actually just got a new client from Finland, too. So wow. we have neighbors helping neighbors going global. We have a new <laughs> client who felt really isolated and lonely in Finland and signed up with our program. And we're like, oh, yeah, we have a lot of volunteers. Let's um, connect you. That's great. Uh, Seppi, say the name of the group one more time for our listeners. We Home Neighbors Helping Neighbors. Fantastic. So next I want to ask you about L.A. Pride. There's some new news from L.A. Pride. So what's happening? So L.A. Pride, uh, you know, this year was supposed to be the 50th anniversary, and everybody in the community were all very excited about it. And, of course, coronavirus has caused a cancellation of every Pride across um, the world. And L.A. Pride recently... um, released a press release that said they're going to go digital and have digital events all throughout this year into the next year. And that's all the information I have. Um, I have heard that they are going to have from June 12th to the 14th, which would have been the weekend for Pride, they're putting together digital events. I know that Trans Pride is also digital. It's happening and the Human Rights Campaign Los Angeles is uh, involved and we're supporting Trans Pride, June 19th to the 20th, so they're going digital. Um, It was really cute. Yesterday, this weekend, was Long Beach Pride, and the organizers of the motorcycle contingent uh, basically put together a dike march, just everyone social distancing on on bikes and cars, and we're, I guess, riding through Long Beach, and that was really nice to see, and I hope we do something like that in Hollywood. That That would be really amazing. Yeah, everyone's getting very innovative. Thank you for that update and also with HRC's um, update as well. So what's coming up for you? Do you have any events coming up, anything happening with you're involved with so many different things? Yes, absolutely. Um, So again, through HRC, we're going to be coming up with some digital events too, but we are involved with uh, Transcribe June 19th, 20th. Whatever CSW does, if we can get involved, will uh, which is Christopher C. West LA Pride, will will likely uh, be involved with that too. Um, my campaign is also having some events because now that I was able to set up systems to help the community, uh, I've gone back to fundraising because the reality is end of June is our uh, big financial uh, disclosure deadline. So I have three events um, that I'm planning for June. The first one is planned, and it's June 4th at 5.30, and I'm so blessed to have a really famous, incredibly funny Persian comedian, Maz Jobrani, who has two Netflix shows, is going to be introducing me, and I'm also so honored to have uh, uh, Florida State House Representative Anna Estamani uh, who is going to be speaking in support of my campaign. Um, it's on Zoom, and if anybody wants, it is a fundraiser, so it's the ticketed Zoom event. If anybody's interested, they can go to sepishine.com, shine with a Y, and get your tickets. And Anna Eskamani is amazing. She was one of the women who were part of the Blue Wave in November 2018. Right. And she, her district is basically uh, Orlando, where the Pulse, Orlando Pulse shooting was, and there was an anti-LGBT Republican, I mean, anti-LGBT, yes, Republican, uh, who had that seat, and she flipped his seat. So we have a woman um, in the Florida State House, which made history, a um, progressive Democrat who 
is pro-LGBT and um, the first Iranian elected to any office in Florida. Wow, fantastic. And uh, we don't have a whole lot of time left until May, uh, until November. So once again, for everyone who's listening, repeat your website. Sure, it's sepishine.com, S-E-P-I-S-H-Y-N-E.com. Fantastic. And I'll be making history too, because I'll be the first woman of color on West Hollywood City Council, uh, the first Iranian, uh, the second lesbian ever, because we have only had one queer woman ever to serve on city council, and we'll have a majority female. Which is very odd, I mean, to say the least. (laughs) (laughs) To To have a city of West Hollywood since 1984, to have had one a lesbian on the city council. Uh, interesting. Well, Seppi, thank you very much for all the info, all the updates. It's really good stuff, and good luck to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Thank you for doing the great work that you continue doing. Good to have you. Thanks, Seppi. Okay. Bye. Bye. The Blunt Post with Vic. I chose today's quote not because it's inspirational, but because it's a rare and unprecedented uh, moment or example of when GOP leadership, especially those who are close to Donald Trump, admit to having said something that's categorically false. Now, in the last couple of months, the Trump administration has tried to spin their disastrous handling of COVID-19 and blame it on everyone else and everything else but themselves. And one of the tactics was to blame the previous administration of President Barack Obama, which we all know is just absurd because if anything, President Obama had the foresight to put together a team for such a pandemic, a team that was dismantled by Donald Trump. So speaking with Fox News, Senator McConnell said, and I quote, I was wrong. They did leave behind a plan, so I clearly made a mistake in that regard. As to whether or not the plan was followed, or who's the critic and all the rest, I don't have any observation about that because I don't know enough about the details. Interestingly, when Senator McConnell is blaming Democrats falsely, he seems to claim to know all the details, but something that is so clear and has played out in front of the American public, he claims to not know the details. So that's interesting, but at least this was a rare admission by the senator. Before we go, I want to thank my extremely talented producer, Ricky Herrera. And uh, of course, thank you for joining me for another episode of the Blunt Post with Vic. Please tune in next Monday at 7 a.m. for another episode. For more information, you can visit thebluntpostwithvic.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Vic Jarami. Uh, Both Instagram and Twitter, my handle is at Vic Jarami. That's V-I-C-G-E-R-A-M-I. The Blunt Post with Vic.